Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. I have a question for you, listener. Do I have as many rights as you have? I'm a Christian. You're an unbeliever. This is a Christian nation. Should that be a factor in the rights that we enjoy? Here to help us figure it all out is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what do we need to know? I'm calling today's program The Right to Be Wrong. And a very good title. <laughs> Congratulations. No, but it put me immediately to mind, not just of the topic that you and I discussed ahead of time, yes. but an aspect of it that caught my attention recently. I was at a, a very interesting conference at Catholic University put on by the, the church, mostly for its own uh, workers in the religious liberty area. Mm-hmm. And the first address was by Cardinal Dolan, Archbishop of New York, and the most recent cardinal and the head of the Catholic bishops, U.S. Catholic bishops, are very influential. And he gave an interesting speech that I didn't totally agree with on their take on the health care debate. But then halfway through, he paused and he said, uh, you know, Catholics believe in religious liberty today. But he said uh, there was a time, he said, uh, when we held that error, and this is his exact quote, error has no rights. Hmm. Now, that in a nutshell, mm. is the view of the Christian church yes, yes. before the Reformation in the, in the Middle Ages in, in Europe. That, in a nutshell, is the view in most Islamic countries, <laughs> and not just toward Christians. Even within Islam, the small factions and breakaway parties, they treat them the same way. They have no rights. Mm. They have no human rights. Mm. And, and often it's expressed as you have no right to live. That's right. And it seems to be a tendency for human beings who get a hold of the truth, that if they don't moderate it with, a, I'll make up a term, with a humanist spirituality, <laughs> okay. that they very easily can mistreat their fellows for yes. thinking differently. Yes. And in the religious liberty area, we have a great problem with this. Let me give you another example. I won't name names here. I don't want to offend someone that we still work with, but a few years ago we had a meeting here at the church headquarters where a number of other church leaders or religious liberty leaders as well as some civil rights groups that were dealing with religious liberty came in a big round table discussion. Mm-hmm. And I remember in one of them a uh, then young man who was t- taking over from his father in one of the organizations got up and gave a glowing report of having just come back from, I think it was Azerbaijan, but one of those uh, stand-type countries of the the ex-Soviet Union where there's an Islamic majority. Religious liberty was very absent, but they were groping toward a sort of a democratic viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And what they'd done in that country, they'd deregistered all the churches, even Islam for that matter, but they deregistered them all, and the government was quite uh, antagonistic to several of them, not all of them, but minorities like Seventh-day Adventists, and I remember Jehovah's Witnesses were being persecuted outright. Hmm. Uh, Their property was being uh, taken away, churches bulldozed, things like that. And so this uh, young man had gone there on a religious liberty uh, mission with several others, including some government representatives, and he came back and with with a, a sense of great accomplishment, he announced to us that they'd gone there and they'd managed to get two or three 
churches registered, recognized. And I, I found that so offensive. I got up and I said, I said, you played into their hands exactly. That's the model of the Soviet Union. Mm. The, you would divide and conquer. Yes. They, they will register your church to co-op the bigger churches. Now you no longer fight them. Mm-hmm. And the small minorities are left even worse off. They've been isolated even from the movement for religious liberty. I said, religious liberty really has no validity in a country as far as saying it's free and and, and they have religious freedom unless all religions, minority and majority, uh, have the right. So to give partial is no. (laughs) And I don't know if you saw it, but I, I, I know most of us that work with religious liberty know that. And even only a few minutes ago, I was talking with someone here about a a church that we find uh, problematic, let's say, uh, a church that by some definitions you have trouble thinking of it as a church, but a church or a group that are persecuted in many countries, harassed even in the United States, and we were discussing it and and we agreed, yes, we have to defend them, even if we find their uh, religious viewpoint really totally puerile. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Especially when you find it yes, puerile. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. We have to fight for them. You know, the good fight, not, not violent fights, but we need to defend them. And remembering always, I might think they're, in fact, I do think this particular religion is silly. You know, I wonder why, how someone could be so credulous as to go for it. But it's worth remembering that there's always somebody that thinks the same about my faith. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a matter of perspective. And, and, and when you're dealing with this model, dealing with the secular uh, authorities, it's not really helpful to insert your own concept of absolute right or wrong or, you know, the one church or another, you know, has the mandate from God. That hopefully will be in one case and hopefully my church. <laughs> But as a structural model of religious liberty and, and, and how it works with the community, and I, know, I was going to use the word humanist, but that'll bother some people, but, you know, a human rights and a, and a human dignity level, it really, we need to get it into our minds. All faiths, and even a lack of faith, has the same rights, and we should defend all because it's all part of the spectrum that defines whether or not there is religious liberty. I'm curious, Lincoln, you were talking about this uh, Catholic cardinal who made the statement that we used to believe, we used to hold that error has no right. Have they turned that around? Are they really, I mean, in the practical, honest world, have they changed that view? Well, we'll see, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's where it's proved. But what he was, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to malign him. Yes. Uh, I know why he said that, and they did elaborate on that later in some other sessions. In the Roman Catholic Church, they had a, a rethink of some of their uh, more problematic uh, ways of doing things in Vatican II, which was yeah. in the, the late 60s, I think, in certainly some decades ago. And uh, a central document called the Dignitatis Humanae, the uh, Dignity of Man, mm-hmm. restated their attitude toward uh, civil and religious rights. So, yes, I do believe that those leaders uh, are honestly trying to administer religious freedom. The question is whether their uh, their view, which is very strong in the Roman Catholic Church, that they're the mother church and mm-hmm. the, the Pope is the divine instrument of God, whether when push comes to shove, they can keep their commitment, as yeah. we I outlined it yeah. before. Yeah. I think not. And uh, we know that within that church, there's a lot of back chatter and growing back chatter against uh, 
uh, Vatican II wanting to go back to the old norm where, where mm-hmm. you know, this one church asserts itself in a more aggressive way. Mm-hmm. Nobody in that church is saying openly, they wouldn't even occur to them right now, you know, that we should burn or imprison the heretics. Yeah. But they're quite ready to uh, create a new internal situation where they cast off <laughs> spiritually yes. and yes. and, and consign to hell those that, that differ from the church's view. And that could very easily translate if they gain political power into a sort of a repeat of the Dark Ages. But we'll see how that develops. All I know is the Bible clearly indicates uh, that at the end of time, a coalition between church and state will enforce religious behavior. And and, uh, many people, Adventists include, think that it will be a a reincarnation of the old uh, medieval church that will do that. So we we need to guard against it. and, And people of good intent within that church need to guard. And, and so I was encouraged to hear them reiterate their commitment to Vatican II. Yeah. And we need to not personalize this. There's good and bad people in every church, good and bad people in every country. So it's not a personal thing, but people have ideology uh, and theology in churches that very often gets in the way of this broad view of religious liberty. And, and so we need to educate people. Of course, we certainly have a long road to go with with the Islamic world. They, yes, they, yes. Their own holy writings get in the way because the concept of separation of church and state is, is a little bit alien. Of course, the telling word here is the word error. When you say error has no right, you are determining what error is. The person that says that is determining what error is. How do you do that? How do you determine? Because what is error to one may be divine doctrine to another. We can't change that. We need to be careful of that. But, that but we do that. We as a church, we as a Seventh-day Adventist church, we as a Presbyterian church. We're always going to think that. But, but remember, there was a problem back in the 70s, to pluck a date out of thin air, I would say, yes. when comparative religions, the study of comparative religions was very popular. Yeah. And how it generally worked out and seemed to be pursued was that you needed to respect, not just respect, but see the common thread and even the the common godliness in all these religions. And the net effect was sort of a uh, syncretistic approach mm-hmm. to religion. Mm-hmm. We've got to be aware of that. It may be that God has spoken through uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. I can't say definitively not, but I don't need to. It should be possible to hold that I'm the inheritor in my belief structure of absolute truth. And, and recognize that some other group are, are ill-informed and, and misdirected, but at the same time defend their right to believe yes, that, yes, as well yes. as my right to talk to them and share what I have. But it shouldn't get in the way of their inherent human rights, and we certainly should never uh, countenance uh, legal restrictions on them or, or violence against them or anything like that. And we must not ever say that God is limited by the Roman Catholic Church or by... No, we don't know. I mean, you know, what did Jesus say? Other sheep have I not of yes, this pasture. Yes, yes. So <laughs> we're all children of God, even if we're an atheist, because they may not recognize it. But if there's a God, as he said, mm-hmm. we're all his creation. So you can't uh, disenfranchise any human being just because they don't recognize their connection. And, and as such, they have rights. They have obligations. And their obligation is toward... God, 
but that's personal. Our obligation is to love and support our fellow man and allow him to make those choices. So, you know, that's the root of religious liberty, which most people misunderstand. They think it's a defense Mm -hmm. of a personal action Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. included in it. But if that's all it is, you're pretty soon, uh, if you're a Muslim, you're behind the Taliban taking over their country or, or you're behind a new inquisition in Europe or you're behind, as is happening, culturally purging Europe of non-Christian elements and re- restating it as a, as a Christian uh, bulwark. Well, you know, that's dangerous. Leads to religious warfare. All right. Well, Lincoln, uh, thank you very much for being with us today and clearing the air on these topics. The right to be wrong, that needs to be a universal truth uh, that we Absolutely. just accept that. Our website, libertymagazine.org. Listener, I invite you to stop by there and check it out. You can listen to these programs. Also subscribe to the magazine, Liberty Magazine, and uh, also subscribe for your people in your community, your friends and your pastor. And We want these thought leaders to get Liberty Magazine. Yes, absolutely. Our thoughts are not necessarily their thoughts. They can differ from us, but it'll, I believe it'll stimulate them to uh, get involved in the religious liberty dynamic. All right, that's www.libertymagazine.org. Lincoln, thank you very much for being here. Always a pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.